So welcome to another episode of Sound Connections. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listening or watching if you're on YouTube. And today we got Nick Nanton with us, uh, a guy I've known, sort of known, I guess. We've, we've met like 24-ish years ago. I was doing some live earlier, uh, which is crazy. And so much has changed since then. And uh, so, you know, normally, I like I said a minute ago before we got started, normally I wouldn't, I, I would just have all this memorized, but... You're a director producer with DNA Films US, created over 60 films uh, and uh, a, a sold out Broadway show, 22 time Emmy Award winner, unless you've won any more since no, then. No, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, you've worked with people like Larry King and Rudy Rudiger. Rudiger. Yep. Rudiger. Um, and Peter DeMantis. Yep. Songwriter. Received three gold records. Songs have been featured on Glee, New Girl, House, and others. And then you're a host of a podcast. You're a host of the Now to Next podcast with Nick Nanton, yep. CEO of a celebrity branding agency, and senior partner with Dixon Nanton PA. There so, you, you know, I mean, I thought I was busy, but when do you sleep, man? <laughs> I sleep great, man. It's, uh, you know, I've learned, uh, it's a really it's something I've always known, but I feel like even more recently, like I've been reintroduced to the fact that just having great people on your team changes everything. You know, yeah. and it's such a, it's so simple. You forget it sometimes, but it, I, I always have to remind myself there's like, I, even if I was the best in the world at one thing, even if I was, I'm not sure I am, by the way, like, that's like a, that's a really big claim. Like yeah. the best in the world at this, like, let's just say you focused and you were that good at that. Well, basically you could very easily admit that you're not the best in the world at everything else. And you're probably really bad at some things. And when you just hire somebody or, or, or partner with somebody who's great at it, like your life changes. Like, so yeah. my agency runs now, I've got a great staff. I mean, I do a couple hours of meetings a week with them, but they're better than me. So like, I, I'm glad to give them advice when they think they need it for me, but they're, I don't, they're just better than me. They just do what I do better than I can do, even if I was there. So it allows me to get a lot of things done. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So well, it'll be interesting to see how you got there because, uh, you know, I, I've been in, the, I'm in that position too, but with just one company, well, sort of, I guess I've got a couple more, but, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I did. And I think, uh, in the back of my mind, I've always known that or learned that probably a while back, but it is hard. You got to remind yourself, uh, often. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, you know, we met, 24 uh, years ago, so through your cousin Shane. Yeah, yep. Right? Yeah. So how's he doing? He's doing great, man. He's got a uh, he's got a PhD in, I believe, human factors psychology. He's a brilliant dude. And honestly, to this day, I would tell anybody, one of the best guitar players I've ever seen in my ask entire he's life. still playing guitar. Oh, yeah. my God. I mean, like, it, it was funny. When I was in college, like, he would always hit me up like, man, you should check out this gear. You should check out this gear. And I was working with bands that were starting to do pretty well. So I would call everybody, man. And I, I that's one of the reasons I ended up meeting you. Like I would get like Dr. Z amps hooked us up with some stuff and full tone pedals. And like, I, I didn't, he was like the guy who was like in the forums learning about the best gear, Freeland pickups, like all this stuff. And so, yeah, still, still see Shane, uh, you know, multiple times a year. We, we all live here in the Orlando area, a lot of family yeah. here. And, uh, he's just an insane guitar player. Yeah. So and I think when we met, you, you kind of just made reference, but um, it was music first. So um, so 
that's a question for later, but I'll just cover it now. But what, what came first, the music, the law, the films? Yeah. Like, where was your where was your passion back then? Very simple answers. Um, I started playing guitar at six because my cousin, my uncle, and stuff played, and I saw, mm-hmm. and I, I just I fell in love with it. I'm um, to to this day, I have a probably an unhealthy relationship with music. Like my <laughs> wife's like. Can we just listen to something I've heard before? Because like <laughs> right. I'm always looking for what's next, right? And so I uh, started started playing at six, started songwriting at sixteen. I put up my first record at eighteen, of which was still about eight hundred copies under my parents' bed. Uh, and I'm glad <laughs> I wanted to stay there. Uh, and then I I went to undergrad. I mean, my, my we're immigrants, right? So my yeah. parents told my brother and I like, hey, you can do anything you want in life, just get a profession. And he's two years older than me. We're both like no like we're teenagers <laughs> nah it doesn't sound fun well this guy goes to medical school my brother and I'm like, that's not going to happen uh i i finished undergrad in two and a half years because i had a bunch of credits from high school i'm 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 I was a good student because I, I was I had to be. That was re- expected of me. And I got through everything really fast because I have ADD. I know it's a shocker to everyone watching. Um, <laughs> and I can only focus for so long. So like I would just rush through anything because I could I could focus for like 10 to 15 minutes at a time and I was done. But so he went to medical school. I finished undergrad in about two, in two and a half years. I ended up staying one more semester to get scholarship money. And I took a 12 hours of independent study in blues guitar from a friend of mine who's a professor. Oh. So anyway, that's a, but that was just to get the money, to keep the money yeah. coming in. And uh I went to law school because I, I knew I knew it was good advice from my parents and they certainly meant well. And I knew that at the time I realized I wasn't going to be an artist. I love being a writer producer, but at the end of the day, I ended up managing a bunch of bands cause I was pretty good at sort of business stuff. Um, I got an undergrad in finance and I was like, you know, probably want to run a record label one day. And, and I know a lot of heads of record labels and entertainment businesses are lawyers. Right. And so, um, so I went to law school, um, hated pretty much every second of it. Um, but I, so I, during law school, I had a studio in Gainesville. We, we worked with, uh, sister Hazel back in yes. the day. Then when I still, uh, do a little bit of work with Stan Lynch, who's a drummer from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And, um, so I, I got an awesome, like street education in music. And then I got uh, a law degree. And the weirdest thing that I honestly I'll tell you about getting a law degree was, I was the same guy the day before I went to law school and the day I started law school. But all of a sudden when I started like, I, cause I was constantly reaching out to A&R reps and like doing, trying to do music deals. And all of a sudden I went from being a kid who represented and like worked with a bunch of, managed a bunch of garage bands to this kid in law school. And so everyone took my call. They're like, Oh, wait a second. He's in law school. He's not just like desperate. Like let's right. talk to him. So like to this day, Raised not, your cred, not so practicing yeah. law is the best thing I've ever done with my law degree <laughs> because in every room, I'm pretty much the only lawyer. If I worked at a law firm, I'd be in a room full of lawyers, right? Yeah. So positioning, I learned a lot from that. And then um, I needed to make money. I got married after my first semester of law school, which I have my 20-year anniversary coming up this oh, July. Nice. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Uh, she still likes me, I think. Um, <laughs> and I had my first son a week after I took the bar exam. So life's just been like... Go right, and so my business partner who had helped me, he's 30 years older than me, what mentored me and helped me start the entertainment company. He's like, Look, man, I've been a lot of businesses, this is a hard business to make money. He's like, Why don't you take what you do for musicians and bands and do it for business people, entrepreneurs, and professionals? Like, you'll have fun, you'll make a lot of money, and you fare out to do. So, we did that, started the agency, it's been a great ride. Um, but I did what any like creative person does the moment that starts making enough money to pay the bills. Yeah. I got right back to creative stuff. So I just decided, so I'd still write. I, I do a lot of songwriting in Nashville. I was actually just there on Monday interviewing Kenny Chesney. Um, I do a lot of songwriting, have a bunch of stuff out on Spotify. I got a song coming out on Canadian radio in a few weeks. And then I just tried my hand at documentary films. I literally said, 
I mean, what music's really hard. What else could I try? Yeah, and I so tried like, docs, and it seemed to work. Well, I mean, film though. So you don't have a film background, no. So you went from guitar player, yeah. lawyer, or a you know law degree. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm, so I'm like, licensed. How do you go from like writing music to you know even helping businesses? Like to me, making a film seems scary. Um, it's funny. I think the thing I learned and the thing I love the most about filmmaking, I think when I'd gotten to that point, I had learned an awful lot about my shortcomings in music. Like, and now like writing in Nashville, I don't take my guitar anymore. Like I started at six. I'm 40. I'm turning 42 this weekend. Right. These people can play me into a corner in eight seconds. Like I have nothing to prove. Like if you're better than me, let's go with you. Right. And so, so I had learned by the time I started making films, like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to understand what my mentor Dan Sullivan calls your unique ability. Like, what are you really good at, right? And what, and you should probably not do much else. And uh, I just said, you know, I want to tell. I, I like story. I love people. I love great stories. Um, let me try this. And um, it's another story. But I googled how to win an Emmy and follow the directions, and here we are. And so uh, that I, but I, I basically just put together a team because I knew. Well, I could I could cut the deal. I can find the story. I think I can direct. I'm still not sure I even know what directing is, although I've directed a bunch of stuff. But it's just like team building. It's like, and I hired people who were who I um, advice from a book called The Bezos Letters. Uh, you know, it's how Jeff Bezos built Amazon. A friend of mine, Steve Anderson, wrote it, and basically he says Jeff Bezos never hires someone he does not admire. And I now I now do the same. And it could be it could be a an assistant, it could be a janitor. Like you should admire how much they really appreciate getting things the way you want them or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Right. And so I hired a bunch of people who I admired, who they were up and comers. They weren't, they had no one, no Emmys yet. We've think, now we've won a bunch of Emmys together and stuff, but they were just really good people who were great at what they did. And I just let them do what they do. And so I did what I thought I could contribute and we learned together. And, uh, it worked, you know, and, and I think the only reason it really worked because I don't work with people who have egos. Everyone's there for the better of the team. We have a no way hole rule. We'll get rid of them real fast. Even clients, like just mm-hmm. not our game. And uh, and everyone, and uh, like me, I just had a call with my editor on the way over here. Uh, he's won a ton of Emmys with me over the years and I don't know how he does what he does. I have no clue. I basically film, I have a crew who films everything with me. I hand them hard drives and I'm like, do your thing. And it's like, sort of like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci with marble. I'm like, just give me the best statue that's in the marble. Just give me the best doc that's on those drives. And I don't get in his way because he's amazing. Now, are you directing him in any way? Because if, if the story, if it's your story or and maybe it's not your story, it might be somebody else's story you're yep. telling. But yep. but but you're you're the visionary here, right? You, you yep. see the story going a certain way uh, or or want it told a certain way. So. Yep. Or does he just get it, like, from the beginning? Um, he really just got it from the beginning, but I would say I really think that um, if someone else coined it, that, like, in my conversations and docs, that I bring heart and hope to every conversation, right? They said it, I, I, I liked it, so I stuck with it. And that's what we try to do. So I think there's a fabric to those interviews, because I do them all, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a, there's a definitely, the threads are already uh, being exposed. He weaves them really well. Um, but I don't. I don't constrain him. I'm saying like, hey, if you find a thread I didn't find, let me know and I'll go back and get it or whatever. But now we've done, 
I mean, I think he's done every one of my docs since 2015. And so we've done so many projects together. Like, And he's a great human being that I, I would trust with my family. And just we just think alike. Yeah. And we've worked enough. And, like, look, we're working on a doc right now on human trafficking, an organization that rescues um, religious minorities, Christians, and Yazidis from ISIS in Iraq and in the Middle East. So we went over and filmed. We actually were in Iraq filming the day the first COVID cases broke out in Iraq. I so thought we, you made a promise to your wife you weren't going to do that I, again. I did. I didn't go back. <laughs> That was original, but we're still editing, right? And so he sent it to me, and I said, man, this is really great, but there's a couple things that I remember getting that I think would really make it interesting. Like, the main guy who took us over there, um, he's the guy who negotiated Captain Phillips off the boat. If you've seen the movie where Tom Hanks plays Captain Phillips. Yeah. like, And we didn't really cover that thread. I'm like, I think that makes the guy more interesting. He's like, all right, let me go back. He's like, yeah, you're right. And so we collaborate a lot, but there's... I probably have, honestly, three to four comments from every film he sends me. There's not much. It's just like, yeah. he gets it, you know? That's good. You're lucky. I'm yeah, very lucky. Very, yes. Yeah. <laughs> very lucky. You know, but I also, I think he tells me he's lucky because I'm not trying to do his job. Like, yeah. you know, you get a lot of people <clears> want to put their fingerprints on things. It's like, well, why don't you do what you do and how about you let me do what I do and we'll, we'll both be better. And I think some people just control freaks. I just, I learned a long time ago, man, that, I mean, the more other people are doing what they're supposed to be doing and I can just do what I want to do. Like, again, unique ability. It's a concept like what would you want to wake up and never want to retire from and just do one thing every day and you'd be more motivated by it, you'd be providing more value to the world. And if you want to, you could charge for it. For me, you can tell I've done enough work and spent enough money figuring it out. It's pretty esoteric. I try to have impactful conversations that lead to produced outcomes. So if you ask me to do anything on a podcast, I would love to have an impactful conversation with Clinton. If you said, will you write a book for me, Clinton? I said, I'll say, I'm going to have an impactful conversation with a ghostwriter and they're going to produce that outcome for you. <laughs> or behind the camera, in front of the camera, yeah. in the podcast. Really, I spend my day having conversations with great human being so it's like it's i would why would everyone stop that so well so what is your what are your days like now so you're you're making this film you're having to travel to places like iraq or or other places around the world um you've still got your law firm or yeah yeah we do a little bit of ip work for people i don't do any of it of course we have mm -hmm. some some really good partners and, and yeah. of counsel people friends i went to law school with who are great at the work i just maybe better yeah. at bringing it in um and so they do that so we have that but that's not real active we do some yeah, stuff and you're doing i mean you're doing your podcast yep right so <clears throat> um so so what's a day like for you or a week like for you are you yeah. are you uh this is so. This would be a typical week right now. So I'll just I'll tell you what I did this week. Um, I got a text from Kenny Chesney last week. I'm doing Dick Vitale from ESPN's Life Story. They're very good friends. He, we were texting back and forth trying to find a time for an interview, and he says he'd be in Nashville uh, this week, Monday or Tuesday. We end up saying, Hey, Monday's actually better. So me and one of my camera guys flew in Monday morning, landed about 8:30. Um, we had some lunch, got set up. I showed him a few Nashville spots. Kenny came in, did the interview at three o'clock. We were on a 6:30 flight back home. Uh, so I left the house at 6 a.m., was back at the house by 10 o'clock to watch the second half of the college football championship. A lot of times I can't get home the same night. That's how it yeah. happens. But I could, so I did. Um, Tuesday, um, I, had, uh, I had some meetings with my team because I missed the Monday meetings. Um, I had a, um, a pre-production meeting, and then my son had a soccer. My, both of my boys, I have 
three kids, two boys, 16, 14, my daughter's 10. Both of my boys had soccer games in Lakeland yesterday. So I had some meetings throughout the day and I got to Lakeland. Um, I took some calls in the car. I, I worked out with my wife first. Uh, I don't start any meetings before 10.30. So we work out every day together. Uh, start meetings at 10.30. I always take lunch off because I think you should. I think you should enjoy food, I do. And then uh, I typically have my last meeting by five. Uh, yesterday my parents live in the air so they we met at four o'clock. I had my last podcast at three o'clock. Uh, we met at four and at four o'clock they rode with me to Lakeland. My wife took my daughter to dance. My parents went with me. We watched two soccer games. I got home at 10.10. Uh, this morning, I woke up and uh, took uh, one of my sons got in so late from the soccer game. He needed to sleep in a little bit. He's a junior and taking AP, so he did. So I took my son and his friend to school, actually ran five miles with a buddy of mine this morning. Then my wife and I uh, walked a couple more, and I've been in podcasts and meetings and phone conversations till, till now. Uh, I drove over here. Uh, to have this meeting with you, at, I was a little bit late. It's supposed to be two no o'clock. Uh, I have I have my neck. I have calls at four and four thirty on the way to Miami. Uh, I have a meeting tonight with a guy who's flying in from Ireland who wants to talk about doing some production work. I'll be back tomorrow for another podcast at one o'clock. And I, you know, I, I pretty much end every day at five or six at the latest. And I don't start a day before. I don't start my working day really before ten thirty. But people get emails from me all hours of yeah. day or night or whatever yeah. the normal stuff. Uh, but I I, I and. Other than when COVID hit and I got shut down, like we all like just got scared and couldn't yeah. do anything for a while. Um, I'm getting back to normal, but prior to that, for probably seven years before that, um, I don't travel. I'm not gone more than seven nights a month. And if I miss dinner, that's a half a night. Like that's our formula. Like we had, I had to put guardrails on my life because I love a good adventure. Like I got a rule, one adventure a week. And if I don't get that adventure, I, I get, I get antsy so my wife sort of kindly reminded me like hey i love that you're adventuring with everybody else but you know we sort of had children together and, and we have a relationship here too and thankfully it didn't get too far gone and it's always been great but she she reminded me and so we we put we decided what would be fair and seven nights a month is enough that it's like a night and a half a week it's yeah. enough to be disruptive um but it but i get to travel and do what much. i need to do but like i've been to ibiza for a night and flew back like i do all sorts of crazy flights um but i just sleep on an airplane I, it's, i'm not working i'm not flying i'm just sleeping right so yeah anyway um that's a typical week so i'm always I, I i get a lot of adventure but i'm home a lot and i i spend i go to every game i go to every dance thing i go you know i miss certain things um yeah. i never miss a birthday mine or theirs i never miss um any sort of championship games and uh i never miss first day of school never miss last day of school like we have we have a system right yeah uh and and it's it's awesome man. it's so much fun and i think uh were it not for having that i, I would say most people's my schedule is not for everybody, but having that level of balance is just super helpful. Now, I agree. I, I've got a, a good amount of balance in my life, too. And I think um, it kind of goes back to the team, right? Yep. So you, you've got these successful businesses and it's a trade off. So you can you can make a little more money if you had a little less people. But uh, right. Right. But there's sacrifices you have to make. Yep. Uh, and, and understanding yeah. that, you know, they're human beings, too. Yeah. They want time off. They exactly. want time with their families, they want, you know, which yeah. is. Um, just sometimes it's hard to figure out. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like uh, you're, what I'm hearing is is uh, what you're getting energy from, what you're doing daily. You know, um, as far as your work is your is your podcast and your film filmmaking. Yep. So talking to, you know, Kenny Chesney or uh, a, a potential new client from Ireland, um, but that's kind of your day to day. Yeah, like I mean, kind I, of creative. I, working because you're the you're the guy 
Yeah. Doing the interviews. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm working with my teams to make sure I have what I need for my interviews because I don't like preparing. So I outsource the preparation too. Yeah. Um, and we've got a system for that. And I'm, I'm happy to cover that as well. But like, yeah. I don't I, like doing that either. Yeah, I, I don't do it. had somebody help me with this Yeah. One. I don't do it. I mean, it's great. I, I, the way I do it is I, I tell them who I'm interviewing. Yeah. Um, I have a couple writers. My writer, Katie, does most of it. She's amazing. And I, she re- listens to all the, all the podcasts they've been on. She reads the books or figures out what she needs to. And the way I do it, I say, give me an article, like, like summarize it all into like, if it, as if they were being featured on the cover of People magazine, and then give, and then she gives me like a 2,000 word article, I read it like 15 minutes before the interview, and I have every bit of context I need to have a conversation. I can go if they get excited, their eyes light up and they want to go somewhere, but I always have somewhere to come back to. Yeah, um, and yeah. so it really allows, um, to use a songwriting term, you know, a friend of mine a long time ago told me, Nick, the goal as a songwriter, I know you've got ideas, but the goal is to write the best song in the room today. Because Clinton has ideas and you're all here because you've got a great ideas. Don't be ego driven. Just write the best song in the room today. Well, all I try to do is try to have the best conversation in the room that day. So like I don't, obviously I get the easy part of this. I don't have to prepare for this. We're just going to talk about what's on my mind and what's on your mind. But so I outsource that preparation. But so my entire day really is spent having conversations. That's really yeah. all I do. I mean, I read emails, respond to emails, but like I, I'm, I'm having conversations all day long. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, you know, you've worked with some pretty amazing people and, uh, I have to wonder, and I would imagine other people wonder too, like, how does that happen? So is it the work? Is it, is it networking? Is it connections? So, I mean, so the people you're working with today obviously are maybe just for lack of a better description, much more higher, high profile uh, in the public eye than maybe what you were doing 15 years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, so how does, how did that happen? So a couple of things. Um, uh, yes, they, they definitely are now. I have more high-profile people than before. But also, part of the thing I love is telling stories you people you have no idea who they are and all that, yeah. right? Like in the in a hut in Iraq, right? So that's interesting and fascinating, and it's, it's human. Um, the un, I never expected film has an, at least the films I make, documentaries have this really for me at least unexpected unfair advantage. And the unfair advantage is when you when you make quality films, and I, I can proudly say that because it's not about me. My team is the best in the world. Like mm-hmm. I could screw it up, they could still make a great film. They make great films despite me, we'll put it that way. <laughs> and so um and when you do work that um is impactful and it's it's well done, it has heart to it. I, I don't do any like hit pieces. I'm not trying yeah. to getting like i just don't i mean some people deserve it right but it's just that's i don't want to spend my life doing that i don't want to spend my life in that negative space they really re, they really appreciate it and then when they when they like the way you have represented them and their story whatever um first of all like like dick vital i met him doing rudy so you meet like the network's insane right so when i'm doing rudy's documentary he's like you got to interview dickie v so i interviewed dickie v and then all of a sudden like man who's told your story he's like no i'm like let me tell your story and then all of a sudden so for dickie v man yeah i'm interviewing I mean, I just interviewed Kenny Chesney. I've got Shaq and Barkley coming up. I got LeBron James. I got um, who's coming up. I've got uh, I've got Coach Calipari. I've got Coach K. I've got like, and then all of a sudden, I get a text. It's me, Charles Barkley, uh, Shaq, and Dickie V. I'm like, did I just make the the Mount Rushmore of the NBA? Like, what happened? <laughs> yeah. But like, all of a sudden, when when people feel like you are you're professional what you do like i'm not going to fanboy anybody yeah like you're professional what you do and you're there to do a job you're just in all of a sudden and i honestly to be dead honest i really for the first time in my life 
felt really felt that and sort of recognized it like about a month ago like oh i guess i'm in because i spent my whole life on the outside of trying to get backstage right like we all do but now all of a sudden from and it's it's i i don't know if it's a zig ziglar quote i think he gets he gets credited the most for it um and people i think mistakenly use it sometimes but when you help enough other people get what they want you get what you want Mm -hmm. and so all i've really done is serve other people well and so they become friends and supporters and 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 part of my i don't I hate the term networking but part of my network and yeah. so now if i like i have a friend there to ask me hey man could you help me get anything for like this charity auction well like yeah i probably can like I, let me text a couple people see who i can get and i don't get mad if they can't do it people are busy i don't get mad if they don't respond yeah. people are yeah. busy they got other things going on they might have seen it and been in the middle of shooting a scene and forgot like whatever but um but yeah it's just it's just being kind and doing what you say you're going to do and and the unfair advantage is everyone wants to introduce you to their really impressive friends, not their friends in jail. It's like, <laughs> hey, have you met my friend the governor? I'm like, well, no, I haven't. You know, so like, and when you're doing a project and someone like Dickie V, he wants all the biggest names that he knows in his film. So all, all of a sudden, it's right, just this so. cascading thing of big names. And then, you know, if you do your job well, you know, you start forging relationships with those people and they're like, oh, you know what, we should call that guy mm-hmm. Nick. Like, I have a rule with my crew. Like, when we come into someone's home, particularly even an office, like we ask, well, first of all, you better bring your manners. Don't dress like you're homeless. Most crews mm-hmm. dress like they're homeless. We don't have to be in a uniform, but like, let's look, let's look, professional yeah. and if we're going to move something ask first if you move it make sure you move it back and ask is this in the right place but most film crews are sort of have this god complex because they're they're really taught that the most important thing is the shot and what we're getting and it is but so they shirk everything else they just don't even think it. so they dress homeless they're practically rude to people they leave it like you know the tasmanian devil just came through and so now we get a lot of people asking hey could you get nick's crew back here because you know the lady of the house let's say is like well, this people who came in, I don't ever want them back again because they weren't at all. They weren't at all like Nick's crew. So it's just like, you know, the three rules of business. Do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Play, say please and thank you. Show up in time. Like, yeah. you'll get a lot of business. And so I feel like we do that pretty well. Nice. Feeling inspired to head out into the world and create the next great documentary? Chances are your cell phone has everything you need to capture incredible video. But the audio is lacking. That's where the Shure Motive MV88 Plus Video Kit comes in. The MV88 Plus has everything you need to create professional quality videos everywhere you go, including a tripod, a mounting clip for your phone, and a powerful microphone to deliver the audio quality your videos deserve and your audience expects. And it's compatible with iOS and Android devices. Add your phone, and you'll be capturing professional quality content wherever you are. So I, I guess, uh, you know, what I got out of that, too, is it, it's much like any business. I mean, you're working with people. Um, I mean, I guess we all do, really, right? But, but, uh, but in our business, you know, our, our clients, it's building blocks, right? So, you know, when this business began over 30 years ago, you know, uh, it built, Right. right. And our reputation built. Uh, so so that's what I'm getting out of it. Whether you're, you know, whether you're working with a, a real high profile celebrity, but it's building blocks and you've earned this reputation. And yeah, and now and now people uh, reach out to you. Yeah, yeah. You earn a reputation for that. You're liable. Yeah. That, you, yeah. that p- they can count on you and trust yeah. you because, you know, and, and I've seen it now, too, because like, you know, most people would be like, 
so let's just say you got a famous person coming in here. I mean, everyone you know that if depending on how famous they're like, hey, can I come? You know, like that's like a, it's a normal response, yeah. right? I'm not knocking anybody for that. I did have somebody that wanted to come and meet you, uh -oh. but he has the flu. Oh, all right. Well, next time, uh, I, that, that'll be a first. I'll take it. Um, I'll come meet them. How about that? I'm, I'm a fan of them. And he's now. he's he's uh, he's also in, in doing some filmmaking and music, and uh, oh, I cool. think you guys well, would just get along. Well, we'll do yeah, lunch, yeah, drinks, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's great. Thank you. Um, so you know when uh, when you do. Um, when you do that, you know, it's a natural thing. They're celebrities and most people, they're, they're usually, like, I don't work with celebrities. I work with what I call celebrity experts. They're so good at what they do, the world can't ignore them. And that could be a musician, that could be a whatever. Right. It's not just a, like, I'm famous because I'm hot or something. I don't know, whatever. It's just not my deal. Yeah. And so what I've realized, though, is like when I go into those situations now, like now that I'm in control of those situations, you really realize like, oh, this is, while I love all my friends and family, I, I wouldn't bring most people to this situation because it just would it would offset the rapport I have with, yeah. that I'm trying to build. So it's just yeah. learning how to it's how to manage those relationships, yeah. right? And once you do that, and people realize that okay, he, he gets it, yeah. we're good, you know. Yeah, I think I mean maybe it's a thing that comes with age, but it's just kind of common sense. It, it, it is, but I think it's also proving the fact that like. Um, you're reliable and professional yeah. and, and you're going to do a good job. And like, Oh, and what I was going to lead to, there's like when, if someone asks me for something, like I want to refer them somebody who makes me look great. Right. So yes. ideally what, if you want to grow your business, talk about business, like be so like, be the person that like people can't wait to refer like, Oh, they're going to think I'm a rock star. Cause I know him. Yeah. I'm going to bring him in. Like I'm going to a meeting this afternoon in Miami guys, friend of mine from Sarasota is like, this guy's looking for a, a chief marketing officer who is a really good storyteller. And I sort of told him that's really not what do you really want? He really wants some like film type stuff. He's like, well, Hey, how about this? What if I brought in my friend, Nick, you know, and he built up my resume and, and what if we just let him tell your story? And then I go, how are you CMO? And the guy's like, you could get him to come, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but like he, it yeah. was really great. Cause we've got a great relationship. He knows I'll deliver for him. So I'm driving out of Miami to go have dinner with these guys because he knows and I'm, I'll get business from it. Whether I do or not, that's just the way it works sometimes, but he was proud to be able to refer me and bring me in on the deal. And that's what you want to be. Yeah. yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, so, this was in a, a previous podcast, but somebody accused me of, uh, being a connector. Yeah. And, but I love it. I love it. So if I'm, you know, when I'll meet somebody that, that I think, uh, would click with you and yeah. I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll reach out and say, Hey, you need to meet this person or, or, um, just because, uh, you know, we, we have this other term that I use or maybe and created called AV karma. So it's, it's our industry thing. Yeah. So when people reach out to me that want to work with us and if for some reason it's not a good fit, um, and in our line of business, that happens fairly often, um, because of conflicts. Uh, but I'm happy to refer them to all my competitors and I'm friends with all my competitors. And I, I think it's just good. Like just and then one day it, it, you know, maybe it'll come back, but it, yeah, the, it does, you know, so, um, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, when you do, when in, in those cases, it's funny. It's like, um, that's just in a lot of, this is doing the right thing yes. and, and it will burn you every now and then. Cause someone is not in it for the right reasons, but right. it's funny. Like I'm a, a huge Fortigators fan. My wife is the biggest 
probably Florida Gators fan, maybe in the world, like mm. crazy. Born in Gainesville, only missed a handful of home games. I had to go to a wedding one time because she didn't commit. I thought she was coming to the wedding with me. I had to go to the wedding. She went to the game. <laughs> like, you know, so so anyway, just giving her her, her due. And it's like, you know, as I'm traveling around, um, you know, doing this 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 documentary and i'm interviewing a bunch of college basketball coaches now this again i'm not that smart some things it takes me a long time to figure out i should have learned this like as a kid but you forget sometimes but it's just like oh this is just a coach doing his job he's hired by this college and this is just a bunch of kids like right. you know even though they're at a school that i hate or whatever right? <laughs> right it's just literally and the same thing i'm sure you could say for people who work for your competitors it's just a, a guy or a woman like you trying to feed their family do the right, right thing absolutely. right and absolutely. you get some people in there who aren't like that for the most part yeah. We're all just trying to make life better well, for those around and, us. And uh, I'm nice to everybody and I get along with everybody, right? But yep. but uh, but if you always do the right thing, it 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 works out, right? It it really Absolutely. does. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that's just a good good rule of thumb <laughs> for anything. So, um, you know, one uh, we I don't know if it was when we last spoke, but one of the things that stood out to me um, in one of our conversations when we reconnected was um about you know you mentioned the word heart um but about you know some of your work like uh the uh Toussaint operation yep operation Toussaint yeah um like that film um you know wasn't just about <clears throat> making a film it's about making a difference right yeah, so yeah. so um is that a big focus i mean it sounds like you're going you know the Iraq Th you're you're yeah. doing it all over again. Yeah. So well, I, I did it. I'm not doing it again. But yes, oh, okay. I, I. uh So that was that before. By the way, you made the. Uh, Toussaint was first, and then I did Iraq after that. And when was that? Just uh, February of 2020 was Iraq. Okay. Okay. So like so right as COVID was breaking. Right. As, right yeah. There. And so um yeah so look um I I, I I'm spiritually I'm a Christian I believe mm -hmm. yo know, um to whom much is given much is expected and I think that's a whether you believe that believe you know have my faith background or not i think it's just a good thing yeah, to think absolutely. good way to think and um i really have i've always tried to just um say okay you know from my framework you do it how you want hey god you put me in this position like what do you want me to do and so i'm really sort of a big idiot who just keeps walking through the doors he opens right but when people come to me with you can't take on everything but when people come to you with you know with opportunities that um that strike a chord, you go, and I've never been a person to like let money get in the way of anything. It's like, all right, was that something I'm supposed to do? If it is, the resources will come. Mm -hmm. And and I was brought in by a friend. Uh, and by the way, I never name drop, but I like to say I like to give people credit where credit is due. So a guy named Russell Brunson, huge in the marketing world. He called me out of the blue one day and he's like, Hey man, I'm working with this child sex trafficking organization, and I. I, I was trying to figure out how I could make a big difference for him. And he's like, uh, he's like, man, and I was praying about it. And guy just gave me your name. He's like, oh man, maybe Nick would help with this. And he's like, so would you ever make a documentary about, you know, I'm like, I never thought about that. But like, I mean, if I feel like if I, if I wasn't willing to spread light on that and the gifts I've been given, like it wouldn't be, that probably wouldn't end up good for me. <laughs> Talking about karma, it wouldn't be very good. Exactly. For me. And so I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. And so little, I know, you know, 45 days later, I'm in a raid in Haiti and this, and so I just wow, kept going that quick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We made that doc in like 60 days almost because he called me, I believe, right about October and he was trying to get it done to raise a bunch of money at his event, which was, if I'm not mistaken, was in February of, well, so here, look, I got this that we got from the raid. Um, uh, it was, so we, the raid was January of 2018. I got the first call right before 
Halloween of 2017. So yeah, so like it was end of October, so November, December, so middle of January. And then we had to have the doc ready to go by middle of February and he raised a million dollars in two days with it. But it was like, you gotta be able to get, it's like, all right, we'll try. I've never done this, but we'll try. So, but it just kept going where the story went. But I mean, obviously you can't, you can't see something like that, whether it's on screen or in person and not, not be changed somehow. Yeah. And it's, um, I'm now am on my, fourth doc on trafficking we did we did the one in haiti we did one in uh in colombia where we it actually the organization filmed everything of the raids and we went back and retold the story um and that hit some film festivals did really well and now that's about to come out called triple take it's about three raids at the same time in colombia and different cities then there is another one we made what uh for the nazarene fund it's actually glenn beck started the organization um and whether you i'm not into politics at all i don't even know what most people stand this is not my thing uh, Glenn Beck's a great human being from my interactions with him and so we went over and told that story and then I started talking about trafficking and learning so much about it where people just kept saying like oh my gosh that's so crazy that's happening in Haiti or Colombia or Iraq and I and I literally said the words it's oh, you don't understand it's happening right here yeah. so many times that I'm like okay I'm making a film called it's happening right here and so I, I did that's at film festivals mm -hmm. right now and that's all about trafficking in America and how I mean to put it bluntly um, kids from every neighborhood and every creed, race, color, and socioeconomic status are being uh, are being trafficked physically or digitally, just through you know being forced uh, to do things against their will and videotape it, mm -hmm. uh, either by themselves or with other people, and it's being sold or they're being blackmailed online because they they fell typically because they fell for it when some really attractive some person they found really attractive sort of courted them and started trading nude pictures with them. And then they find out that that's not really that person. It's a 47 year old man in Iowa. Yeah, yeah. And now that I have naked pictures of you, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to put them on the internet. I'm going to send them to your parents. I'm going to send them to everyone at your school. I'm going to post them up. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you know, a kid which is typically what it is. I mean, but even an adult, like they go, they have no idea what to do next because now they're now they feel yeah, really stupid. Yeah. And in most cases, they don't feel like they could go talk to their parent or an adult. So they make hundreds, if not thousands, of really bad decisions after that because they're being blackmailed. And so yeah. the film really sort of covers the different ways that happens through Instagram, TikTok, uh, Fortnite, Roblox. I mean, anywhere yeah. two or more Discord. are gathered, there shall be trafficking. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah, that's nuts. It is not. So I try to do things like that because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and I'm just interested. I'm doing a doc on, on reading right now, which I was uh, brought into and I have no idea. Reading? I, I had no idea that the. Uh, so there's illiteracy and there's what we call subliteracy, which yes. is sort of like food insecurity. Uh -huh. Like you're not reading at the level you should be. Um, I'm not going to get the stats exactly right because I haven't looked at them the last couple of weeks. I'm doing like eight things, but it's close to this. Um, the entire United States of America, since we have been measuring reading proficiency of kids in, in school, we have never scored higher than I believe it's 43 or 46% passing rate, basically, of proficiency. Oh so gosh. more than half of the country cannot read correctly. And you really don't know it because everyone hides it. And so at the lowest levels, it ends up in, I mean, incarceration. and Because if you can't read, you can't get a license, you can't work a job, right. you can't do pretty much anything, right? Right. Um, and then and the subliteracy levels of like, you know, they for many reasons which are debatable, but there's sides, there's good arguments on both sides, like keep matriculating kids up so they just graduate, but they really are, you know, they're 18, they're reading at a second or third grade level, or they're yeah. dyslexic, and what, I mean, it's a mess, dude. Like, so I was brought into it by this guy who is uh, now in his, his 80s, okay. but he was a school teacher in California for 13 years, and he could not read. And it's like, wait, are you 
this is, can't be true. And so Oprah did a story on him. He was in Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I started, I'm like, wait, tell me more. And it, as it turns out, there's just a lot of, there's more than 50% of our students are falling through the cracks. And you really don't know about it because most people don't want to talk about it if their kid is struggling. Or if you were struggling, you wouldn't, yeah. it's not something you talk about. So it's, it, my mind was blown. I'm like, all right, I got to help spread this word because there's solutions. Um, a lot of people think it's conspiracy or politics. or I'm like, look, I got no dog in this hunt other than that. I want kids who feel they're like they're dumb because this isn't working for them they know there's other solutions i want adults who never learned to read who we just we filmed a guy who as he learned to read in one week he's 63 didn't know how to read and he was an executive and just saw the weight lifted from his face and his whole life change so i want adults to think to know it's never too late mm -hmm. and you're not dumb your brain is not broken and the third one is i want people in lower socioeconomic situations is typically people of color they get screwed the most mm -hmm. because typically those school districts don't have any money right. and they don't and just some familiar situations don't allow for extra tutoring or money to do it so and i want to help create awareness so they can get the resources i'm not here to blame anybody but we can do a lot better job so how did this story come to you then so did he did he find you or did you find him? Like Yeah, so I did a documentary on uh, my friend Jack Canfield. Jack wrote all the Chicken Soup of the Soul books. Okay. 500 million soul around the world, yeah, right? That's, uh, uh, incredible story. Yeah. Never <laughs> will happen again, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so um, I get an email from this guy, John Corcoran, and said, hey, I'm friends with Jack Canfield. You know, I love what you did for him. Um, I told him I wanted to share my story in a bigger, more impactful way, and he said, you know, you, I should reach out Call to you. Nick. Here's a video yeah. when I was on Oprah. Here's the whatever. I watched it. I emailed back and said, you know, man, that's a really cool story. I just don't know that it's like, it, you sort of, your story's been told. I don't know if it's big enough for like a doc. And, and I, sometimes, you know, Sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you're super busy. Sometimes you just want to make sure someone on the other side of the line has enough fight. Because if we're going, if we're doing this, it's a battle. Like you're you're working closely for a year, two years. Like you want to make sure it's not like a passing interest. Because I'm gonna spend my life doing it, right? Right. And it was really that I just wasn't sure, and I was busy, and I didn't know when where funding would come from. I didn't know him at all. And he's like, if you just give me like 30 minutes and let me share with you, I think you're gonna see the story's way bigger than you think. And so like, oh. Now he's pitching me great. The yeah. guy's got a little tenacity to him. Yeah. As I mean, he's a an, of Irish descent. He is a he's he's a fighter for this cause for the last like forty years. And he's and so I got in the phone and I'm like, wait, you mean to tell me that I could go look in my own school district in an affluent area right now? He's like, go look at it. Go look. Failing. Yeah. Failing. I'm yeah. like, and I looked at him like, and I I so I end up deciding to do the doc. We put out a press release about it, and I got like two the two main comments that stuck out to me. My uncle actually said, "Oh boy, Nick, you are gonna they're coming for you now. Like you are gonna get so much hate mail." So I'm like, I said, my uncle, I'm like, look, uh, that's possible, but like I would totally expect that if I if I approach this story with with blame and and shame and vitriol, but mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm approaching it from like, hey, what's happened to get us here, and what can we do better? Like that's really yeah. and. So that was number one. Number two, a friend of my son's at school sent me a private message and said, hey, if you find anything that works, let me know because we've been struggling for, you know, for a long time and cannot figure it out. And, and as I go through these things, like there are, it's sort of, um, as I said, I have ADD. My, one of my sons had, has ADHD. And you know, when you are dealing with something that you don't, especially a child, and you don't know how to fix it, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if it lasts two days or two years, it feels like hell the whole time. Yeah. And I, as, I, as soon as I saw, like, I saw multiple people, like this guy who's 63 years old, comes and learns how to read in a week, and his whole life changes. I'm like, this is not, this is not a, a life sentence. So like, I have to tell the story. And yeah. it's been mind-blowing just to see 
what, what happens in it. Yeah. So I just watched, uh, do you watch CBS Sunday morning? Uh, I don't. It's a great show. Probably don't have time. Um, there's always time. <laughs> that's a great show, but it's a, it's, I mean, it's usually a feel good show, but they yep. have really interesting stories and, uh, Sydney, um, oh my gosh, Portier. uh, could, did you know he can read? I saw that recently. People now sort of send me all the reading stuff, yeah, right? So, so a lady, I think it was met with him every day or a man every day for yeah, a while. Yeah, I think it was a man. So he worked in a restaurant. I think he was a dishwasher. Okay. And um, he's an immigrant as well, right? From, I forget, one, one of the islands. Okay. Uh, probably not far from you. Yeah, right now. Um, so, uh, but yeah, immigrated and uh, worked. He, he worked, a, um, when he grew up, he worked in a... Uh, restaurant is a dishwasher and um and somebody made a comment about something in the newspaper and he said well i, I you know i can't read it and that person every day every night after work after the restaurant would close would sit with them and teach them to read i mean that's see that's humanity right like that's my favorite thing on earth it's like at the end of the day you're a human being i'm a human being let's just let's just talk about it like what yeah. how can i help you and so to me the richest experiences in my life have always, if and especially I tell anyone, if you don't know what to do next, just serve somebody. Yeah. You'll be shocked at the opportunity that comes your way because, like, you can't be creative in a state of, of, uh, of scarcity. But when you open your mind to, like, first of all, it's not about me anymore. Like, if you hyper focus on yourself, you never solve anything. Mm -hmm. When you've realized it's not about you, there's a world that's going to live and breathe, mm -hmm. even after you die. Mm -hmm. They're all. I mean, they're going to be sad for a little bit. It might be one person, might be nobody, might be millions. Who cares? Mm -hmm. But you're gone. It doesn't matter. But, man, if you just find someone to serve, like, opportunity, abundance, creativity just, like, shows up. So I, those are the stories I love and why I love telling stories because there's way more of that going on in the world than anyone knows. Oh, because yeah. Because it's not, it's not publicized. Yeah. It's just not, and, right? And people typically don't talk about it. Right? So, absolutely. Um, so on another note, uh, if you want to be introduced, I could introduce you to a friend of mine named Julia Young who uh, runs a not-for-profit called Page 15, okay. which is uh, you know, uh, an organization uh, dedicated to uh, helping underprivileged kids get the tools and resources they need uh, love, to read. Uh, anyone yeah. doing that, I'd love to meet. Yeah. I, don't, you know, I always say, at this point, who knows what happens, so yes, please. And then, weird coincidence too, uh, very much into music, yeah. and their big fundraiser uh, they just did, I was there, uh, they do it well. I think they had to take a couple of years off because of COVID. They just did uh, just did it late last year. It's called mixtape, and they they uh, it's a concert. Well, I like so all those a, things. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, there's definitely some synergy there, and they're super good people. Uh, her and her husband. Cool. Um, yeah, please. Yeah. So, um, so what's what's next for you? So, I mean, you're gonna keep making films, but like, yeah. what's uh, is there anything sort of there's a few. I mean, so um, I, I, the agency that we have, I love serving the clients we serve. I just turned over the day to day to people who are better than me at it. Um, so we'll continue to do that and help you know entrepreneurs, professionals find those opportunities uh, to share their story because literally there are amazing people. Whether they ever will make it to you know uh, to Nobel Peace Prize status or not, there's amazing people in every community who sometimes they're just really great dentists and they also do this. But like everyone has a story to share and I love helping those people share their stories so they can help more people. Um, and then music, I just can't quit. It's just the drug yeah. of choice. Uh, so I'll continue to do that. I love doing that. Um, it's interesting. I at first, well, forever, I, I really shied away from the idea of writing any music for my documentaries because I thought it could be 
corny. And one of my friends was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> it's like, so, so I wrote, uh, I, I wrote, co-wrote with a couple amazingly talented Grammy nominated buddies. I mean, I've been doing it so long now. My friends are great. And, uh, we wrote a song for my documentary about Folds of Honor, who's given over a hundred million in scholarships to the families of fallen soldiers. And of course I wrote it with guys who are super talented. So the song came out great. And, uh, Lee Bryce just cut that for us. Um, we have a song in our new human trafficking movie. We're, we're working on getting cut. Um, we just wrote uh, a song for the Dick Vitale documentary that has got ESPN loves it. Like we're so I'm, I'm, music is not, and, and, and hopefully now I can do more of it together and yeah. then filmmaking. Yeah. I don't know. Like I don't, I'm honing in more and more. Like I definitely now have quite a bit of experience doing the type of film I make. I'm really mostly interested in biographies. I'm just fascinated by people yeah. and some humanitarian stuff when it gets more into, um, activism, um, social justice, um, just things that I that I believe in, but I'm not I'm not fascinated by. I'm going to bring in other people to direct those sorts of things, but I still want to be able to. Uh, I still want to have the opportunity to produce there, those yeah. things yeah. and help and help put them together, help make make sure they happen and yeah. happen the right way. Um, so we're building. I'm building a brand now called Astonish Entertainment. Um, Astonish will be my. Uh, it's based on a Mark Twain quote, and it is a uh, you know do right always it will gratify some and astonish the rest. And my my designer actually took Mark Twain's handwriting from different letters he'd written and put together. Oh, it's pretty cool. That's cool. So that's going to be really, that's where my life's work from here on out is going to happen. And there's music under that. There's film under that. We've got some, some based on a true story rights to some life stories that we'll probably do some feature film work with. So, um, you know, I'm just, uh, just taking the next step, but I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I don't get lost in, uh, I don't get lost in anything. I'm really just like staying within my unique ability because that's what serves me and everyone else best. I'm going to continue to have the best conversations I can have every day and, and try to figure out what's the most helpful outcome we could produce that would, that would inspire other people, raise money, um, teach people, show them there's hope, whatever that is, and just do that and don't get too, don't get too caught up. Like I'm a big dreamer, of course. Don't get too caught up in like, oh, I have to do it this way. Because if I did that, I never would have started this agency and that agency right. would never have given me the freedom to, because basically up to this point, every film I've made, um, not every, the films I've made that I wanted to make, other than like clients hire me to make films, like, no one else like just wrote me a check to make it like hey make this movie like i'm about we're starting to get there we're having some conversations about dickie me and some other things where there's like some people who are like hey we want this film and that's great but i was always made the film because i wanted to make it and i thought the message was important and i want to make it the way i wanted to make it and i didn't want someone else telling me how, how i need to add be, some yeah. negativity and some drama and some like whatever if it wasn't needed and so i've been really sort of a spoiled brat when it comes to make i just made the films i want to make and i had a lot of friends who were like yeah we'll help you with that no problem we'll help fund it we'll help do it whatever and so now i'm you know i'm for, turning 42 and uh i got the rest of my life to do this so i'm just gonna figure out how to do it but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try to pigeonhole myself too much where i would uh not know where i would miss a great opportunity because i didn't know to look for it yeah yeah so where should people go to find your work? Is it nicknanton.com or do you have? Yeah, that's a great place to start. We've got a ton of stuff on Amazon, got quite a bit on YouTube. Yes. Um, we over, depending on the time frame you watch this, um, sometimes we have stuff on Netflix. I'm sure sometimes we'll have some stuff coming up on Hulu and uh, all the others. Um, but nicknanton.com and then follow me on Instagram at nicknanton. You'll, you'll know what I'm doing for the most part. And, you know, if, if I can be of help to anybody, you know, feel free to reach out. You know, I, I can't do everything, but I'm happy to connect. I'm happy to share. I'm happy to connect people with other people. Um, you know, I think that's, uh, I, I hate the term self-made. I don't believe in it. I believe that we're all where we're at because whether you recognize it or saw it 
or not, whether it's in front of you or in a back room, some people have been helping you your whole life. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I would never be where I'm in if there weren't enough people who are like, you know what? Yeah, I'll I'll connect you. I'll make that. I'll help you. So I'm always happy to try to do that for other people. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, thank you all for joining us today and listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Connections and tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the Sound Connections podcast. If you like what you've heard, do us a favor and please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. You can also follow Mainline Marketing on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And you can go to our website, mainlinemarketing.com.